Why would anyone think that a preacher from 2,000 years ago would be relevant today? Is Jesus even relevant in this age of self-driving cars and nuclear weapons, space exploration, and smartphones? Well, many followers of Christ would probably say with their mouths that this is an absurd question. But do those same Christians live their lives in a way that would reflect that they believe that is an absurd question? How about you? How about us? Well, today we're diving into all things evangelism on this episode of the What Did We Say podcast. Thanks for kicking us off, Joshua. You're welcome. On evangelism. When you texted me today and said our next episode is evangelism, I wasn't super excited about it. Are you more excited about it now? No. (laughs) Why not? Because it's an area of strong conviction for me. I always feel like I can always do better. Would that not be something that would excite you to talk about, though, if thinking about if it's strong conviction for you? No, I want to talk about things I'm really good at. Oh, you're saying you're not good at it. Correct. But you have a strong conviction about it. Of like, hey, Erica, you need to do this more, but then I never end up doing it more. Why do you think that is? Um, I pondered that question today of like, man, Erica, you know, you got to get yourself together on evangelism even more. And now your husband wants to talk about it in this podcast. Um, I think that if anyone has the privilege of knowing me, that sounded really weird. Wow. If if anyone knows me. I agree with your statement. If anyone knows me, they know I run really fast and really hard And focus and responsibility are like my top two strengths. And so I think I don't slow down enough to share my faith with non-unbelievers. Okay. So you kind of summarized exactly what evangelism is. Uh, Evangelism is the spreading of the gospel by preaching or personal witness with, you said, focus and responsibility. Yeah. Okay. But I think I really focus on, I don't know, there's like this misconception that I fall into of either like you're super passionate about evangelism or discipleship. And what do you mean misconception? You mean dichotomy? Yes. Like it's either or, but there's a world where there's both, but I find myself every day of the week pouring into Christ followers more so I mean, I invite people to church, like a hundred percent. I invite people more to so church. than reaching Correct. people. More so than like, what your do you know Jesus? So your natural gifting as a follower of Christ would bend towards discipleship more than evangelism, is what I hear you saying. Correct. Okay, but they they go hand in hand. It's not either or. Correct. And so what you're saying is that it's I'm just, more comfortable with discipleship. Okay, awesome. And I. I think for a lot of people that I come in contact with, that's the exact same thing. Like they're more comfortable with discipleship. Why do you think that is for you? Um, I think for me personally, I, I'm just surrounded with believers more than non-believers. And I think I have more opportunity to disciple someone to be a disciple of Christ um, 
more than share my faith, which that's the convicting part of me. It's like, oh man. So the opportunity is more prevalent for you for discipleship because of the daily opportunities that you have. You work at a church, you work in a church office. Most of your incoming messages that you get through text message, phone calls, emails are um, Christ followers already. So it's more of an opportunity opportunity that you have each and every day to disciple more than evangelize. Yes. I guess I have more practice in discipleship than evangelism more so. And I'm thinking like, we'll talk about this later as well, but I also just set, I personally, I set really high bars for myself. So is inviting someone to church really evangelizing? Mm Mm-hmm. Is that sharing my faith? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I think there is, and you're right, we will discuss it later, um, but I I don't know that what we would naturally go towards as evangelism is actually evangelism. Okay, yeah. It's more of like visitation (laughs) for your church or invitation towards your church. So... That's where we find ourselves. Yeah, where do you find yourself? I think I probably agree. Um, However, for me, I don't think that I am more opportunistic. The opportunities are definitely more readily available for discipleship. However, I think I'm I'm thinking through the course of my day-to-day. If it was truly on my heart... If I was truly paying attention, I think both were very opportunistic today. Yeah, and I think that's why I said in the beginning it's very convicting because it's not on the forefront of my mind other than just inviting my barista to church or the woman who checked me out at Target to church. Um, I And I just feel like I don't give myself time and space to share my faith with whoever Holy Spirit wants me to share it with. So there is a difference in inviting someone to church and sharing your faith. Yes. In my opinion, yes. Yeah, I agree. I think um, inviting someone to church is incredibly easy, and I do that on a very consistent basis. Um, Our church makes it incredibly easy to be able to invite people to the church. One, we're very recognized in the community. Two, we do a lot of things for people in the community. Three, they, um, we, we have been resourced very well with invite cards or whatever the case might be with that. And so, um, and then there's consistent conversations about reminding each other to invite people to church. But inviting someone to church in and of itself is not evangelism. I think it's a component, but it's not evangelism. And for me, I think the natural bend or tendency that I fall into is I'll invite somebody to church, but I won't necessarily share my faith as you put it in your words or evangelize. Right. So is sharing your faith like, is that a verbal, Hey, I believe in Jesus or, Mm -hmm. you know, scripture is very clear that it says the world will know you are my disciples. Mm -hmm by the love that you have for one another. Mm-hmm. So our is how we live out our life also sharing our faith or no. I 
the way that you ask the question is the way that we live our lives, living out our faith, sharing our faith. Um, I think it can be. I don't know that it always is. Uh, what I mean by that is we might be more apt. And, and when I say we, I think me is what I'm mainly talking about. But what I also, my perception is that we will slap a bumper sticker on our car and still cut people off in traffic. You know, so it's like, we'll, yes, we'll you, tell, you yes, absolutely I will. will. I did absolutely. not put a bumper sticker on my car for that reason. For that reason. Confession? Is this confession It is time? confession. Okay. I speed. I Pray for his road rage. Road rage. <laughs> but I'm not, I am a great ambassador for my church. I'm not necessarily the greatest hands and feet of Jesus mm. all the time. Say that again. I'm a great ambassador. Oh, you didn't really mean say it again. Yeah, I were- meant it. It was really great. <laughs> so as, as a Christian, do you think that it is essential um, to share your faith? 100%. Okay. It's what we're called to do. The Great Commission. The Great Commission. Go who- into all the world and preach the gospel. And to all men women, children, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That is a command from Jesus. The Great Commission, mm-hmm. not to, the Great Suggestion. Cr- ooh. <laughs> ooh. I went old school preacher on that one. Pulled that one out. Yeah. Um, it is essential, in my opinion as well, to share your faith. And I, I believe it's a core part of Christian belief to be a Christ follower is to share your faith. Unfortunately, I think in my experiences and maybe why people are hesitant to share your faith at times is the ineffective evangelism that I have seen um, in almost like the drive-by invitation or the the drive-by evangelism where you'll go to eat with a group of Christians and I have had this happen more times than I care and I stopped going out and eating with groups of church people because there was a particular lady when I was growing up who loved Jesus with all of her heart but was incredibly rude to the waiter and the waitress whatever the case was did not leave a tip but left a bible track Amen. <laughs> so, uh, the drive-by evangelism, you know, yeah. where you're you're handing out I an don't invite know. card. Or I mean, I'm track. sure there's people that still drive by evangelize, but I just try to think of my core reason as to why I don't make it priority to share my faith with unbelievers. Now, I share it with believers easily. Mm-hmm. Like that's easy. Yeah, your experiences, your your uh, life, easy breezy. Yeah, lemon squeezy. Let's all go. day long. Um, but why do I not share my faith with unbelievers? I think it's fear. Like I was listening to a sermon today and he said, every decision we make is either out of fear or love. And so I'm about to pose a really hard question and it's not in your notes, but man, it's like, I don't step out and share my faith with unbelievers because of fear of rejection but I do with believers out of love. But then I'm, do I not love unbelievers in the way that I should and mm. care about their eternal salvation like I should? So unpack that a little bit. 
I, that's all the impact I'm going to get. <laughs> okay, so I, so it, it, is that like a thought that you're having right now? Right now. Or is it like, okay, it's a theory or an idea of a theory that you're going to run and unpack yeah. later on? Yeah, and it's my theory and my yeah. idea. Like, I'm thinking internally, why do I not? And that, that, that came to my mind today. Every decision we make is either out of fear or love. And if I'm making a decision out of love, then, like to someone that I want to know Jesus, then I'm going to share the gospel with them. I'm going to share the good news with them. But most of the time I don't. And that's from fear, mm-hmm. not love. Mm. I don't know. I think the thing that could change that. And as, as we're talking about this, this is coming to my mind for anyone that is hesitant to share their faith or, um, for me who, who, might not do it very often um, or as often as I should is because I think I have the assumption that people are sick and tired of hearing about Christianity. Like I I have that assumption and I say an assumption because it's not true. People are not tired of hearing about Jesus and maybe it's this, maybe people are tired of hearing about Jesus and not experiencing Jesus maybe that's what it is. And when I think about Jesus, the evangelist in John four, where he's talking to the woman at the well, I think what Jesus was eager to do was not share his story. I think he was eager for her story and maybe an approach to evangelism that could be helpful for someone. And it's helpful for me coming to my mind is that maybe if I'm more eager about that person's story than telling them about my story, then maybe that could open up the door for me to be more effective as an evangelist. Gasp, have a conversation and not talk about myself. Because mm. people love talking New about concept. themselves, including me. Uh. <laughs> I love what Billy Graham said, though. Billy Graham said, every Christian is either a missionary or an imposter. So you're either um. living out the great commission where you're not a Christian, I think is what he was getting at there. That might An be a imposter. little farther than I would, I would go, but yeah, but it's, it's tough. It's, it's a tough pill to pill to swallow. So is sharing your faith an act of obedience that you do? So like to check the box for yourself or is evangelism really an overflow of your relationship with Jesus? I mean, we've already established that I have a really hard time with sharing my faith with unbelievers. Yeah, I mean, I mean, evangelism Just in, in general. general. Yeah, like it should that... be an overflow of your relationship with Jesus. Mm-hmm. It's because checking things off a box or spiritual disciplines without surrender surrender of yourself is just religion and so anything that's not overflowing from your walk with christ and your relationship with christ is meaningless i mean i don't want to say it's meaningless because there can be fruit in that and god can use our selfishness and well, I think stubbornness proverbs but... talks about everything is fleeting yeah. and and anything that is not um contributing to eternity in heaven is meaningless essentially yeah. because all the earth will pass away yep. you know all of this is is not going to exist at some point in time the grass is our withers belief. and the flower fades but the word of god 
stands for everything. Yeah. That and, scripture and by got the, me through. <laughs> and by the way, our dog is chewing on the podcast table. So if you hear bumps and stuff, it's our dog chewing. I, I tried to push her away with my leg and she licked me. So it distracted me a little bit. Our dog named Dolly. Yeah. <laughs> Dolly. Or Dolly Parton fans around here. Dolly Parton fans from East Tennessee. Uh, we, we talked about inviting someone to church isn't the same as inviting someone into a relationship with Christ. It is not evangelism. It is a lane of evangelism. It is, it is the church. Let me say it this way. The church is not Christ. The church cannot save you. However, the church is designed as a way for people to meet Christ, to meet other believers, grow in their faith, you know, grow, grow in our faith, having support, gaining knowledge, but the church cannot save you. And I think there's a lot of people that get invited to church and come to church that might not experience Jesus. Yeah. Would you agree with that? Yes. Yeah, I think um, the the <laughs> the dilemma that I get into at times is I'm I'm going to do the work of God and miss the people of God. And one time in particular, I was a young pastor. Uh, I think some people would call me a young pastor today. This is before we were married. I think I was 21 and. Um, it was Sunday morning. I was driving to church in Harriman, Tennessee. Always got there early. I'm the one that gets there early, turns everything on, gets gets things ready for the day. And I was running a little late that day. And I was like, man, I'm not going to be the first one there. I'm afraid of, like, I, I got to be the first one there. I'm going to disappoint. I'm not going to look great. I'm not going to um, show up, you know, yeah. the way that I typically do. Right. Um, but on my way there... I remember I was like half a block from the church and I saw this woman walking and I vaguely remember her walking and I went around her anyway and made it to the church. And it was like, as soon as I unlocked the building, cause I was the first one there, right. Um, that conviction hit me and conviction is a churchy term to say, Hey, you, there's something you missed you're an doing. opportunity. Yeah. You passed it up. <laughs> you, I passed it up because you were too focused on your responsibilities to get somewhere. That I was you about didn't. the father's business, but Amen. it wasn't about his people. And um, about 20 minutes later, the, the lady who led our prayer team at the time come walking in with that lady. Yeah, and she came up to me and she's like, Pastor Josh. I've got to tell you about this lady and begin telling me about her story, mm-hmm. begin telling me about how she used to go to church. She no longer has a relationship with Christ. Like it's not something, but through their conversation, she was able to open up to the possibility right. of experiencing Jesus that day. Yeah. And I just remembered like, man, I missed it so yep. bad. But then God was like, I'm, I'm going to give you other opportunities. Yeah. But I think we can do the, be about the father's business but forget his people or overlook his people yeah because we can be busy in the father's business you know Mm -hmm. without um thinking who can i talk to who can i tell i just had a conversation recently with uh my uh volunteers a group of uh my uh coaches and they were all just talking about the negative work environments that they had and i caught myself thinking like 
man, sometimes I just go to Walmart just to try to pee with people that don't go to church. Just like, to get away. I know, like, I'm not saying I'm jealous of their situation or anything like that because I couldn't imagine what that would be like. And I'm sure a lot of you listening probably have that experience of, like, you are a Christ follower and you're in a negative yes. work environment where the guys crack jokes that go a little too far, yeah. that go too far, or there's, you know cuss words Mm -hmm. used in really like negative ways talking about people and just tearing people down and office gossip and stuff like that and um i just think like but then i thought i was like but would i actually really do anything if that were my reality like would i share my faith would you contribute to it or would you contribute to changing it or would I just, like, not associate, which is not great either. And I would probably not associate. I mean, that's just the reality. <laughs> not a, not associate with the people? Yes, with the people. Okay. I would just not get in the middle of it. So what do you say for the, for the single mom or the dad with six kids who is going to work every day in that environment that knows the love of Jesus, that knows the freedom of Jesus, that has access to anything and everything that those co-workers need, but is at maybe a breaking point in their own lives where they just need to disassociate or disengage mm. with those co-workers. Yeah. What, what do you say to them? Gosh, that's so hard because it's like, first off, how's your mental health? Like, if that's in jeopardy because of the toxic situations you're around, first you got to take care of that. But then I think I would just ask myself, like, what would Jesus do if Jesus were me? If he were me right now, what would he do? I don't think I've ever thought of the question that way because I think I've always thought of what would I do if I was Jesus? What would he do if he were me in this moment right now? And we know, like... Jesus went and ate dinner with people that the religious folk didn't want to eat dinner with. Well, and I heard it this way recently, that Jesus didn't hang out with sinners. They hung out with him. I heard that too. Where do we hear that? Maybe a message on the weekend. I don't know. We just regurgitate a lot of things. I got that question from John Mark Comer, Practicing the Way, if anybody Mm. wants to look at that. This is episode two, and your um, mention of John Mark Comer, you referenced him in both episodes i'm telling you practicing the way is changing my life yeah in a in a great way it's it's great i think what we meaning humans do is it's so easy to put the attention on ourselves yeah incredibly easy do you have any tips or thoughts on if we find ourselves focusing on ourselves in a situation where we have an opportunity to not focus on ourselves, to focus on others. What do we do to capitalize on that opportunity, that moment? What are tips? You just asked a really long question. Okay. So if you find yourself. And I kind of got lost. If you find yourself. Okay. Like, let's, let's say Bob, dad of four, works at a job where there's not a You're making the question a even longer. No, I'm giving you context okay. Okay. <laughs> for, for the listener okay. in a situation to where they don't have the luxury that we do, where it's more discipleship 
opportunities. Like that's, yeah, that's our interactions daily is with other Christians. If someone's in a situation where they don't have interactions daily with other Christians, what should their approach be? Towards? Towards the unbeliever, towards their coworkers who aren't Christians, where they want to disassociate, like you referenced a few minutes ago. Um, grace, compassion, truth if it's asked, like... Engagement? Yes. Leaning in? Kindness. Not leaning out? Yeah. So... Showing them the way, like, not even just, like, there's just this peace that comes with being a Christ follower that if you follow him and if we live out the practices that he has called uh, oh hold on I've got scripture not, not live today. out live n- not just live out live in yes so I have this scripture that I'm going to share today because it really stuck out to me I believe it's Psalms 103 verse 13 yeah Psalm 103 I'm As, glad you corrected yourself. You said know, Psalms, Psalms first. I know. The <laughs> S is silent, so is the P. I'm so confused. Okay, Psalm 103, verse 13. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. Fear is not like a, I'm afraid of you. It's a reverence, right? Mm-hmm. For he knows we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. Like, God knows we are just dust. Mm-hmm. The life of mortals is like grass, grass, they flourish like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it and it is gone and its place remembers it no more. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him and his righteousness with their children's children. Here's what, here's what I'm trying to get at with those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts and those who So sum up that scripture. What are you saying there? I was, what, what did I was that? literally just about to say okay, it. Okay, so say it. Before you ask me, <laughs> I was just about to say it. It's my valley girl voice. Mm, I don't know what that means. Of course you don't. Act like you didn't watch the OC, Josh. No, I don't. Act like it. I don't. Act like it. Okay. So basically, um, with those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts, keep the covenant obey him what does he tell us to do to love the the lord to love the lord your god with all your heart soul mind strength and then love others as you love yourself like those are the two commandments and precepts and if you follow those the rest the rest will follow is it that easy though it is that easy okay in my opinion but i like to really simplify things yeah I I think I I think I disagree a little bit. Um, I feel like I you're asking me leading questions, and I'm not going where you want me to <laughs> not go. Not at all. I don't I don't have an end in mind. I'm I'm truly asking your opinion. I think if I'm if I'm where if I'm in a job situation where it is the opportunities that are present are more evangelistic versus discipleship. I think, yes, what what you said, but I think there's more context. Okay, that's then answer it. You have the answer, and you want I me don't. to answer the answer, <laughs> and I don't have it. So God's God's primary way of reaching people are through people, right. and, and we are people. And I think what we have to do is 
remembering love your neighbor as yourself. Love but the how Lord. will they know unless they are told? Well, there's Romans. There's that, but there's also a, a belief that we have to have in ourself that we are we are you know representatives we're ambassadors of christ that we are called we are chosen we are appointed you know if i went king james version i would say you're a royal priesthood you know you you are in that spot for a reason and nobody is going to do this world any good being conformed to a church or an ideology you are going to do this world good by being transformed by the love of Christ, by walking in the freedom of Christ. And what could be the missing element is the belief in the transformation Mm -hmm. that God has done in you. I see what you're saying. Like, what's your center? Is it the transformation of Christ or is it the church you go to? Like what centers you? Yeah. Yeah. There's what light are you shining? Is it the church you go to or is it the transformation? I'm trying to be nice, <laughs> but quit, quit. If you find yourself in that situation, you are bigger than any of those frustrations. Like you are, you are, quit being affected by the environment and infect your environment. Like Christ in you is greater than any of those things. So walk in that confidence. Quit walk. being affected by your environment and infect your environment. Is that what I said? Yes, that's what you said. And I liked it. That's why I repeated it. <laughs> I want to I, I want to get personal with the remaining moments that we had. And I put myself, I mentioned John Four earlier, the woman at the well. Jesus met the woman at the well, ashamed, um, thinking through this. I don't know that I would have saw the woman at the well the way that Jesus saw her. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, John 4, Jesus travels into a region and a time where he probably wasn't supposed to be to intentionally, I believe, come in contact with woman at the well. Is there any contact or any context you want to add? Yeah, I was about to say I'm really jealous you're getting to talk about this because this scripture. John 4. John 4. So he walks up to this well at noon, the heat of the day, and this woman is there drawing water. Now, mind you, women go to the well not in the heat of the day um, because it's hot and they get sweaty and all the things. But this woman was there hoping that she would be there at a time when no other woman was there. She didn't want to run into anyone else. Because this woman had five husbands and then she was cohabitating with her boyfriend. She had some skeletons in her closet. She did. And she was ostracized. And Jesus, who even was a different race than her, like there was a racial divide of Jews and Samaritans. And Jesus could have easily had every reason in the world. Well, there was a racial divide. There was a class divide. There was a sex divide. Jesus was male. He had every reason to not talk to her. Jesus was pure. He was holy. This woman did not have five ounces of a good reputation Mm -mm. at all. Mm -mm. Nothing left. And you know what Jesus did? Jesus showed some vulnerability. He asked her for a drink of water. Mm. Jesus was thirsty at that time. So showed vulnerability, Mm -hmm. asked her for a drink of water. What Jesus, I hear you saying is Jesus 
said that that woman had something with with her mm-hmm. within her that was of value to him. So Jesus saw value where other people. She had definitely had something within reach. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like, that wasn't her body. Correct. Yeah. Correct. And he asked for that water. What'd she say? She said, you're crazy. You're crazy. Don't talk to me. You're Jewish. I'm just kidding. Um, But anyways, eventually Jesus is like, um, God, I'm having a blank here. I was so jelly that you were going to talk about this, and now I'm having a blank about this scripture. So ultimately, Jesus ends up telling her that he is the living water. Right. If she takes a drink from him... She will never thirst again. Yeah. That ultimately what she needs in life isn't water. Yeah. She needs him. Yeah. The living water. And I think, but I think there are several truths. But I want to jump in. Jesus had a word of knowledge for her. Like he knew something about her that he shouldn't have had. He had that word of knowledge from Holy Spirit in him, living in him. And he said, go get your husband. Mm Mm-hmm. And she said, I have no husband. And he said, you answer correctly. Oh, contraire, my flair. Oh, yeah. I don't know what that means. <laughs> I, I don't either. <laughs> but he said, you answer correctly. You had five husbands and the one you're with now, living with now, you're not even married to. And then at that moment when Jesus used, when he had that word of knowledge over her life, she immediately believed. And so we can go, all, listen, I'll be talking about walking in the spirit on a daily basis because gifts of the spirit that's what they're used for is to bring people to jesus they're to glorify our father and so when jesus very lovingly said that to her she said she went to that town and she told everybody come see this man for he knew all that i did which i mean Pretty much, but not really. Yeah, she was like he told he told me everything about my life, uh-huh. and no, he said more. But thing. maybe that's how she defined her life was the men that were in and out of her life. You know, like mm-hmm. maybe that's how she saw herself. But Jesus saw so much more, and then she went on and evangelized and spread the good news. And this was before Jesus ever went to the cross. And man, I just think like how many people do I meet in a day? The barista that has said my name every day for two weeks walking in. He's like, good morning, Erica, because he knows I'm there to get my coffee. And I'm like, okay, tomorrow when he says my name, I'm going to say his name back. And then I'm going to invite him to church. But I never do. Mm. I never do. (laughs) Well, maybe, and I don't want to get long with this, but I do want to summarize John 4 real quick because there's a lot in here that I think will make us all better evangelists. Um, I think it it will help us to be better at what we're doing um, in following Christ and and sharing our faith. One that you said, Jesus knew his audience. Jesus knew the woman at the well. I think it's important to know people, to know where they're at, to, to know as much about him. Now, there are going to be times and places where you don't have the opportunity to do that. Yeah. But as much as you can, know the people that you're talking to. Yeah. Um, and you can pick up a lot in a really short period of time. Yeah. Now, Jesus was Jesus, but he didn't talk to her for six months before he told her the truth. It was just a few minutes, but, 
but know the audience. Yeah. He put two and two together. Yeah. Oh, here's a woman out here by herself in the heat of the day. Yeah. You know, um, speak their language. This woman was at, at a well. Yeah. Ready to draw water. And Jesus said, I'm living water. You know, mm-hmm. he, he spoke a language that resonated with her. I don't think we need Christianese. I don't think we need like all these fancy yeah. sayings and all the, that aren't going to resonate with people. Maybe Speak I people's feel like language. my guy that I want to invite to church that makes my coffee every morning. Maybe I feel like church isn't his next step subconsciously. Mm. And like, maybe it's just a conversation with him. Maybe it's meeting one of Christ followers maybe it's meeting one of god's kids yeah and maybe that's what his next step is mm. yeah speaking speaking his language yeah um seeing their value like you said that jesus jesus saw something within her when when every other man that come in contact with her saw her external appearance jesus saw something within so seeing seeing their value seeing their potential and then calling out their value um i think all of those are truths within that story. And then if you know the rest of the story, I think it's John 4, 38 and 39, where that woman ends up evangelizing the whole town mm-hmm. to come to know Christ. Yep. And Jesus is like, man, look up to but his disciples. what's crazy, and I know we got to finish, is like his disciples went into that same town to get food. Minutes. Within minutes. Minutes before her. Before so, she did. They, I mean, in my mind, I'm thinking they crossed paths on the road oh, they had to and pass they missed each that, other. like that. You missed the opportunity with that woman. Yeah. And then they were lit. All the disciples were in the town. All of Jesus's, well, they're not considered his friends yet, but all of Jesus's disciples are in that town. And it takes that woman to radically change it. Yeah. Mm. When, when. The disciples were interested in baloney. Mm-hmm. The woman was interested in Jesus and telling other people about him. So literally, the disciples left the town, and the only thing that they left with was meat, bread, and cheese. Physical food. She met the bread of life. Bread of life. Wow, I see mm-hmm. what you did there. I see what I did there. <laughs> and she left the town with the town mm. and brought them out to Jesus. So Come what keeps see. us? So what keeps us? kind of going full circle here um at the beginning of this podcast we were kind of open and vulnerable about okay we don't do this as well or as often as we should what keeps us from doing it for me personally fear and i think you just have to ask that question yourself what keeps you from sharing what christ has done in you do you fully believe in the transformation that has happened in you through Christ? Do you fully walk in his spirit daily um, as confidence? Do you give God time and space to build your confidence so that you can lead confidently when you're talking to someone about your faith journey? Like, I think who, I think you just have to ask yourself that question because each person is going to have each a different person's answer. Different. Yeah. I think it, I think it all comes down to the bottom line, whether it's your fear, your insecurity, maybe it's rejection. Ultimately, what you are communicating when you don't is that you're okay with people going to hell. That's what I was trying to get out earlier with fear and love. Yeah. Ultimately, if if you don't share your faith, attempt 
to show someone Jesus. I think let's stop telling people about Jesus and start showing Jesus. Yeah. Letting people experience Jesus. But if we don't, then I think what we're saying is we're okay with people going to hell. And maybe I don't care about people as much as I think I do. Mm. I, I'm I'm wrapping more in up. fear than the love that I have for them. Yeah. I drive every day from here to work. Uh, pastor in South Oklahoma City. South Oklahoma City um, has some challenges. Mm-hmm. There's quite a homeless population. Yep. Um, there's some socioeconomical challenges that people face. And I see on my drive to work um, every day probably three or four people who are on the sidewalk holding up signs. Yep. And there's this one woman in particular that I have seen as I make a left-hand turn and turn into my church. She's standing on the sidewalk, and she holds up this cardboard sign every day. And I know at least eight out of the last ten days she's there. I guarantee you I'll see her in the morning. And for the last five or six days... I have felt compelled to go buy her breakfast and take it back to her and And tell her that Jesus loves her. And I didn't. And I haven't. (laughs) And I haven't. Are we going to get into that? No, not on this one. (laughs) But um, what I'm, what I'm saying is I'm being vulnerable to say, Hey, I'm going to buy her breakfast tomorrow. But two, um, we haven't got it figured out. No, we, we don't. do not. This is a conversation that we're having that hopefully stirs a conversation in you and maybe the person riding in the car with you. And when this ends, maybe you guys will have a conversation about it or maybe you'll text someone. But ultimately, you are, anyone listening to this, you are the only Bible that some unbeliever will ever read. Hmm. And our life is under a microscope each and every day. Yeah. So what do you do with that? When people see you, when people come in contact with you, are they experiencing the true aspects of Jesus? Mm-hmm. True aspect of God's word? Are they getting an accurate representation of who Christ actually is? Great reflection. We'll see you next time. Hear you next time. Listen, be with you next time. They're, they're going to be with us. They're going to be listening to us listening. next time. Unless you send us your questions. Yeesh. You want to give them the email address on questions? Sure. It's my email that he gave last time. <laughs> Erica Atkins10 at iCloud.com. Erica is with a C. Atkins a is with a D. And a K, ADK, INS. Um, we will have a different email by the third episode because, yes. yeah. I'm working on a website. Hey, follow us on Instagram. Our, our um, podcast is now available everywhere. Podcasts are available. I don't cool. know if you knew that. I didn't, but how long are we going to be wrapping up this podcast? I like the music. Okay. <laughs> Evangelize. All right. We'll talk to you next time. Okay, bye.